Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L. On Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm superstar Frank Morano. It is President's Day. Since it is President's Day, I thought we might do something that we haven't done in a while. A little later this hour, start thinking of one now. I uh, would love to do a little presidential trivia. We used to do that every every week. But, uh, you know, like anything that you do every week, sometimes it gets a little a little tired. But once a year on President's Day, I think it's still fun. And, you know, I have felt maybe it's age or maybe it's the fact that, you know, I haven't uh, I haven't had anything to drink in five days and maybe my brain cells are struggling to acclimate to sobriety. But I felt that maybe I'm getting a little slower on the uptick. I I don't feel as as quick witted as I used to be, at least when it comes to trivia. So I feel like this could be a good exercise for me in terms of making sure my brain cells are still pumping. So we'll do that maybe in about 20 minutes or so. You can start thinking of a presidential trivia question now. But first, it is that time of the week. The time for me to give a pat on the back. To people or entities that deserve one, it is indeed time for... The Other Side of Midnight presents Commendations. I must begin by giving a, a commendation for Marianne and Lou, or as they are affectionately known by almost everybody, especially their friends, Chick and Padre. On Friday night... I went to a a surprise 60th anniversary party for a wonderful couple, uh, Chick and Lou, or Chick and Padre Lou, and they, the amount of love in that room for them is really a direct reflection of what they give to everybody else. This is one of my favorite couples in the world. And maybe my favorite couple in the world and really a model for how I think any married couple should be. As far as I'm concerned, there's not a couple that possesses a greater love of life, a greater intellect and more energy, especially on Chick's part than uh, Chick and Padre. And I was honored to be invited. And um, Chick called me a couple times today as I was driving home from Long Island. But I... um, I think Carmine was trying to sleep at the time, so I didn't answer, or I was trying to sleep, one of the two. So uh, she is on my to-call list today. But happy anniversary, 60 years strong. That is a tremendous blessing. And uh, I can't think of a couple 
more loved and loving than Chick and Lou. All right. I want to give a commendation to school bus driver Larry Farish Jr. He's a school bus driver in Kentucky, and he is known in the community for going above and beyond. And now he's touching the hearts of strangers after an act of kindness went viral. Farish drives buses in Louisville, Kentucky, and he recently noticed a little boy named Levy was having a rough morning. He said, normally when I pull up, he's standing there waiting for me with a big smile, but on this day, he was sitting on the ground with a jacket over his head. And he said, hey, buddy, what's going on? What's wrong? And that's when Levy, a first grader at Englehard Elementary School, explained through tears that he didn't have pajamas for pajama day. Farish closed the doors and watched as Levy slid into a seat away from his friends. Farish says knowing that Levy wanted to participate but couldn't filled him with sadness. So after Farish finished up his morning route, he headed to a family dollar store and purchased two pairs of pajamas for Levy. Then he headed over to Levy's school to make things right. He said, uh, you were hurting this morning, you were crying, so I got you these pajamas. He was so excited, you should have seen how his face lit up. And um, this is just wonderful. Uh, To me, this is the textbook example of what a school bus driver should be. There for the kids and able to pitch in when um, maybe they need a helping hand. And in addition to just getting them to school safely and on time. So, Mr. Farish, I do commend you. I must also commend Juanita Lightning Epton, the 103-year-old woman who has been selling Daytona 500 tickets since 1959. I love this. You talk about commitment to a bit. Miss Epton has been selling Daytona tickets since 1959. And she's become hugely popular with race goers and with drivers. The track has even named the ticket office after her. For some, it's become a tradition to check in on Lightning every year before the Daytona 500. I think that's wonderful. I May she live for many more years to come and continue to sell these Daytona 500 tickets. You know, my son really loves cars. He loves playing with cars. That's his favorite thing. He loves when we walk around the neighborhood pointing at cars, and he likes the animated film Cars. I'm wondering if he would like NASCAR racing. Maybe I'll try and put it on for him next time there's a big race on. He might be into it. You know, who knows? I want to commend Ethan Kakmak. Ethan Kakmak is a 16-year-old boy that jumped into an Arizona lake to rescue a, a driver. This was an incredibly dramatic water rescue that played out in the East Valley in Arizona on Wednesday. First responders pulled a man out of the water after his car ended up in a neighborhood lake near Dobson and Queen Creek Roads, if you're familiar with the area. 16-year-old Ethan Kakmak um, sprang into action after finding out that this guy drove into the lake by his apartment complex. He attempted to make a rescue while his father called 911. He sprung into the water. 
He swam out to the car, and once there, he said he could see the man was passed out but breathing. He said, at least I knew he was alive and he would not wake up. I kept banging on the windows, tried breaking the one on the top. Moments later, members of the Chandler Fire Department and police also jumped in and ultimately saved the man. Many people who live in this area watched this unfold, including maintenance personnel. The man was taken to the hospital but was alert. The police department said the driver is still in the hospital receiving intensive care, and it's believed the crash was the result of some sort of medical issue. But the neighbors and the first responders both said the same thing. They admired this 16-year-old's heroic efforts to be able to be that quick-witted and jump into the lake to try to save a stranger while making sure that 911 gets called and alerted to the situation. We should all be so quick-witted when uh, crises strike. I want to commend Pan Zanli. China's Pan Zanli is a world record holder in <clears throat> swimming. And he backed up his men's 100-meter freestyle world record by winning the world title in Doha on Thursday in a warning to rivals for the Paris Olympics gold medal. The 19-year-old did not threaten the 46-second, 46.8-second mark he set with the leadoff swim on Sunday, last Sunday, but 47 and a half seconds was enough to secure his first individual world gold at the Aspire Dome Pool. Congratulations, Pan Zanli, a gifted athlete, if ever there was one. Uh, by now, I don't know that I brought this up on the air, but uh, I've had this on my list for almost a week now. I want to commend the people that rescued these two hostages in um, Gaza. You know, in all the discussion of what's going on in the Middle East, from a geopolitical perspective, from a diplomatic perspective, from a military perspective, it's easy to forget at times that there are still people being held hostage, that are probably afraid, that are probably being uh, treated very poorly. And this operation to rescue these two hostages, Fernando Simon Marmon and Lewis Har, a 60-year-old and a 70-year-old, this is an incredible operation that took not only a great deal of planning, uh, but a great deal of grit and it was done by many different aspects of the IDF. I don't have specific names of people that I can commend. But for everybody that was responsible for the rescuing of these two hostages, bravo, bravo. And I absolutely commend you. I want to commend as well <clears throat> the, the customer who tipped $10,000 on a $32 bill at a Michigan restaurant. A man left. A $10,000 tip on this $32 bill at this restaurant in Michigan. The server shared the tip with eight other staff members. This is great. It's at the Mason Jar Cafe in Benton Harbor. And all the people that got this money, they said they were crying. They're, they're all crying because they were so moved by this fellow's generosity. We don't have the fellow's name, but uh, this really is incredible. Ironically, and they say it's not related to this, the waitress that got the tip was let go by the restaurant a few days later. 
So that's another element to this. The customer was already on my list list of people to t- of uh, people to commend before the waitress was let go. But uh, it really adds another layer to the story, which is quite interesting. I want to give a posthumous commendation to William Post, one of the inventors of an iconic breakfast staple that's become. An anytime snack with about a billion dollars in U.S. annual sales. William Post has died at the age of 96. Bill Post helped create the Pop-Tart, an idea he said most people couldn't get their heads around at the time. He told Channel 3 in Kalamazoo, Michigan a few years ago, there were so many naysayers. Some of my good friends would say, I don't know, Bill. They would tell us it's not such a good idea. Post was plant manager at Heckman Biscuit Company, a regional baker that was part of the company that would become Keebler when Kellogg's came calling with the idea in 1964. And sure enough, a billion dollars in annual sales speaks for itself. You know, I thought about this, and we have Pop-Tarts here, and I never really have them because, you know, it's basically all sugar. They're not good for you. But I was kind of hungry, and... um, I figured, you know, I haven't had a Pop-Tart in probably 20 years. Let me try one. Let me see what the big fuss is. They're a little sweet for me, and I think that's why I don't don't have them. I don't like things that are that sweet. But when you put it in the toaster, and I know some people just eat the Pop-Tart plain, regular. When you put it in the toaster, there is something really comforting about that warmth of that Pop-Tart. I was glad I had it. I, again, it's probably a thousand calories, this one pop tart, but I was glad that I had it. It was uh, quite good. I want to commend Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark has broken the NCAA women's scoring record. Oh, yes. Very impressive. Nobody in the history of female college basketball has ever scored more, more points than Caitlin Clark. Congratulations to you, Caitlin Clark. And finally, I want to commend my co-brother-in-law, James. I saw my, um, you know, we went out to my mother-in-law's for a family function on Sunday. And about two-thirds of the way through the visit, my co-brother-in-law, James, who's a great guy, he says, you drink scotch, right? I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He hands me a bottle of Glenlivet, a really nice bottle of Glenlivet. I think it was... uh, Age 12 years. And I said, what is this for? It's not my birthday. It's not a gift-giving holiday. He said, just because. Which I thought was so incredibly nice and kind. I don't know if somebody gave me this, gave him the scotch and he didn't want it. Or I don't know if he bought it on his own. For my purposes, it doesn't really matter. I am um, on the wagon now due to my Lenten alcohol fast. But... I'm looking forward to 35 days from now popping open this nice bottle of Glenlivet and having a a nice uh, nice bit of it neat with a cigar. Very kind. James Pecan, a wonderful guy, a great co-brother-in-law, a wonderful father, and uh, he and my sister-in-law Sharon are expecting another child uh, very soon, within the next month or two. So uh, thank you. Congratulations on that. But thank you for this. You know, the movie Finding Forrester with Sean Connery, is quite good. And it's, you know, I think people don't really give it its just desserts because it, it is a, it came out pretty close to 
Goodwill hunting, and there is an element of it that's pretty similar to Goodwill hunting. Not entirely dissimilar from Dead Poet Society either, but really Goodwill hunting, it's it's very similar to. And so people never talk about it, but Connery tells his young pupil something in that film. He says there's nothing like an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. I have to tell you, you know, Christmas, your birthday, people are always expecting gifts, right? Which I think is problematic for reasons we've discussed. But when you're not expecting a gift, to be able to get a nice bottle of scotch like this, very, very kind. So thank you, James. That was uh, very generous. Oh, and so then my my mother-in-law sees this bottle of scotch there. And I guess she didn't want one of my other brother-in-laws to drink it. She said, whose is this? I said, oh, James gave it to me. And she said, oh, you're going to take it with you, right? I said, yeah, ideally. Well, at the time I was leaving the house, I was carrying a exhausted, whining and crying Carmine. I'm carrying all his bags, carrying my own stuff. And I didn't know until I got home, I forgot the scotch. So I've asked my brother-in-law, Adam, to squirrel it away to a safe place. And hopefully uh, for the next time my wife or me return to that part of Long Island, that scotch is still waiting for me. So thank you, James. And uh, my apologies to my mother-in-law because I'm sure she was annoyed that I left it behind. So sorry about that. All right. We're going to take your calls in a moment. What I think might be fun is something we used to do every week on this program. We called it Stump Frank. And we used to do it in a variety of different categories, Seinfeld, Star Trek, The Sopranos, The Godfather. I think, since it is President's Day, it might be fun to bring this back for at least a bit and see if you can stump me with a presidential trivia question. Now, what's a presidential trivia question? Presidential trivia question is, oh, uh, who was the longest person ever to serve as president? That's a presidential trivia question. The a presidential trivia question is not, hey, on December 7th, 1941, when FDR declared uh, war or asked Congress for a declaration of war on Japan, what did he have for breakfast? That's not a that's not a trivia question. OK, there's obscure and there's trivia. Right. And this is one of the reasons I think we had to discontinue it. But if you have a real presidential trivia question, I'll do my best to answer it. It'll help keep me sharp. 800-848-9222. If not, you're welcome to comment on anyone that I have commended or anything we've done thus far. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. 
26 minutes after the hour. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Hey, I want to uh, thank Joe from Ronkonkoma. Joe uh, sent me a message on Facebook informing me that since the Daytona 500 was canceled yesterday due to rain, it's going to be on at 4 p.m. this afternoon. This might be my opportunity. This might be my opportunity if uh, if uh, Carmine is awake and we don't go outside or something at that time. Maybe we will put on the Daytona 500 and see if he likes, you know, cars in a racing format as as well. Hey, there was such an interesting article in the New York Times a couple of days ago all about presidential libraries and they it was in the travel section, I think. And it showcased five presidential libraries that offer culture, history, and labs of democracy. The FDR Library, the George W. Bush Presidential Center, the Ronald Reagan Library, the John F. Kennedy Library and Museum, the Dwight Eisenhower Museum, and um, a couple others. I don't think I've ever really been – they say there's 15 presidential libraries I've never really been to a presidential library. The closest, I don't even know if it's considered a library, but the closest that I've ever been to a presidential library is to James Garfield's birthplace in Ohio. I went there and they have his birthplace and where he lived in Whittier, uh, Ohio, set up as, not Whittier, um, wherever it was, set up as a kind of a museum. It's really kind of cool and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really much in the way of a library, certainly not like the ones that are chronicled here. I think it would be so much fun one day, one day to take a month off or if I'm ever, God forbid, fired, which I hope never happens, to take a month off and drive, do a road trip. Maybe when my son is a little older, if he has an interest in presidential history and visit all 15 of these presidential libraries or at least all five of the ones that are mentioned here I think that would be great because they look really cool. And sometimes people know of my interest in presidential history and they'll uh, they'll go to these libraries and they'll bring me back a book or a trinket or some piece of nostalgia or some souvenir from one of these uh, presidential libraries. I think it would be a great deal of fun. All right. Um, What I think would also be fun is to play a little presidential trivia. So. I used to be quite good at presidential trivia. And whenever that's a category on Jeopardy, whatever version of it they use, presidents and vice presidents or third-party presidential candidates or or anything resembling the presidential trivia category, I always guarantee to my wife that that's the category I will sweep. And 99 times out of 100, I'm right. And my brother-in-law, David, sent me a quiz that he found online of how well do you know a president's day? 15 questions. I think it was from Fox news, the lifestyle section. And I didn't look, didn't cheat any, on anything at all. And I got 13 out of 15 correct. And it says their view, the Fox view of if you get 13 out of 15 of these questions, right, is that you're a genius. So that's what it declared. And I sent that screen grab back to my brother-in-law, David, and he says, I figured as much. Honestly, I thought you'd get them all right. One question I legitimately did not know the answer to. The other question, I thought the wording was very poor. 
So it was a true or false question, and I still believe I got that one right. But whatever, I'll go along with the I'll go along with the uh, powers that be. All right, why don't we play a little Stump Frank? The other side of midnight presents it's Stump Frank on seventy seven WABC. It's Stump. I don't have a prize or anything to give you. You'll just have the satisfaction of knowing you're smarter than me. Let's begin uh, with uh, Chris in Beth Page. What's your question, Chris? Hey, Frank. By the way, I used to call you all the time. I remember. You bested me a couple of times, I remember. I did, yeah, because I love presidential trivia. But anyhow, I think this is a fairly easy one for someone like you who knows this stuff, but What's the smallest amount of victory ever? The short uh, uh, the, in the electoral college. What was the closest margin of victory ever? And the, who beat who? The closest margin of victory. I'm going to say that. Well, um, so there's two that come to mind. Well, I'm going to say uh, this is a guess. I don't know the the answer, but uh, I'm going to say that it was. The election of 1876, Rutherford B. Hayes beating Samuel Tilden. Frank, I knew you knew it like that. Ah, All right. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Chris. All right. I'll take that. 800-848-9222. You know, the reason I hesitated is because that election is such an interesting one. That election was probably stolen, honestly. And, um, you know, Rutherford B. B. Hayes seems like he was a decent man. But that election was largely determined by giving the South back the rights that they had that they perceived to have lost during Reconstruction. The South was eager to end Reconstruction, so they came up with this deal to give Rutherford B. Hayes the presidency in exchange for ending Reconstruction, which the South bristled at over the uh, Civil War. And it was not not a huge surprise that Rutherford B. Hayes lasted. Only one term. I don't even think he sought renomination. He had a very unhappy presidency. 800-848-9222 if you have a trivia question. Melvin in the Boogie Down Bronx, what's your question? Abraham Lincoln, what deal did he and Great Britain agree upon um, when he became president? What deal did he and Great Britain um, agree upon? You got me, Melvin. I don't know. Um... Abraham Lincoln did not believe that free blacks uh, could live with free whites. So Great Britain agreed to take all the free blacks, take them down to British indoors, now known police. But the deal fell through. That's when he started taking blacks in the, in the military in 1863. Because he needed um, uh, manpower, and Frederick Douglass was right there pushing him. Interesting, Melvin. Thank you. Uh, you. You beat me there. I wish I had more of a prize for you, but I don't. 800-848-9222. Original Rick, you have a presidential trivia question for me. Yes, good morning, Frank. I don't know if this is a valid one or not. Excluding uh, presidents from, like, 1960 forward, in their time of service, what president was considered the most handsome? Oh, I mean, that's a ridiculous question because it's well, so no, subjective. I've seen some pretty homely photos of these guys, and it was like, were some considered, like, nicknames of like the the donkey face or something you know what i mean mean, um all right i mean do you want to say james buchanan 
Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm asking you. Uh, well, no, I mean, it's so subjective. Look, I mean, uh, I think, um, I, you know, I think a lot of people would say that Franklin Pierce was a, a handsome president. So, uh, you know, so I, I think it's, um, I, I, I mean, it depends on what you're into, you know? I mean, um, yeah, I know, uh, but there's, you know, you know how they have like nicknames and, 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 uh, uh, mottos and stuff to where they were going back and forth during their presidential things about, you know, they, they were always disparaging each other. There had to be some that were just like fat or, or whatever. And well, they, they were. They, so, uh, okay. I mean, if you're asking conventionally handsome, I, I think it's probably pre-1960. I think it's probably Franklin Pierce, which is good for him because he didn't have a lot of other things to uh, <laughs> to, to uh, differentiate his presidency at the time. 800-848-9222. Joel in Manhattan, what do you have for us? Okay, Lyndon Johnson was very proud of his, uh, let's say, manhood, and he was braggadocious about it, and he would show it off in in bathrooms as he was hitting the urinal. Mm -hmm. He had a name for it. What was the name for his member? Oh, uh, I... um, I I don't know this one. Uh, the, when it comes to genitalia, I have to tell you, uh, this is way out of my league. Uh, well, to fill okay, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. An elephant is named has a similar name. Is it Dumbo? Close, Jumbo. Jumbo. My goodness, that LBJ. My goodness, you got me on that one. I did not know that. I did not know that. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Doug in Montclair. What do you have for us? Yeah, hi Frank. Uh, I uh, wanted to see if you knew the name of. Uh, well, here, here's the background. Abraham Lincoln, uh, before he was president and stuff, he 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 was the lawyer for um the railroad company mm-hmm. that that um and um that that ran through Illinois and the Midwest and um he won a case against um a riverboat that hit um a bridge okay a railroad bridge Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you kn- know the name, the the riverboat's name. Hmm. Uh, I I don't, and, and I know and, and, I know and, that and Lincoln has located. a a patent um, having to do with uh, something to do with riverboats. No, you got me. Uh, and well, again, well, I guess we're well, seeing why was, I discontinued this segment. Hey, Doug, uh, give us the name of it. What was it? Wrong. Uh, the Effie Ampton out the, of Rock Island, Illinois. The Effie Ampton. Afton, the Effie Afton. I uh, you got yeah. you beat you bested me again. See, well, there's a good reason we don't do this anymore. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Craig in Pennsylvania. What do you have for us, Craig? Oh, a couple things. First, I've been to the Truman Library. I'm a Republican, but the Truman Library was one of the nicest things in uh, Independence, the other end of your state. Oh, really? City. Okay. Well, I'm going to yeah. check it out. Absolutely. And uh, just fantastic people. Hey, uh, Craig, do me a favor. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold. Turn your radio off, okay? Okay, no problem. Okay. Well, in the meantime, we'll go to Joe in New Jersey. Uh, oh, Craig, I don't think I uh, – maybe I hung up on him. Craig, call back if you could hear us. Uh, Joe, what's your question? Yeah, hi, Frank. Good evening. Uh, my question is uh, what uh, state of uh, the unions has sent most presidents – to office, what state? Well, it uh, depends on how you count, but the most people believe it's Ohio. You are right, and uh, 
you win the uh, you win the booby prize. Uh, Anyhow, uh, I thought of that because you mentioned James Garfield. One year I was on a bicycle tour from uh, Cincinnati to Cleveland. Uh, the year I went, they had also a bicycle tour of all the presidents, five of them, I believe, in uh, Ohio. So that was uh, interesting. I'm glad you mentioned James Garfield, and thank you for your show, and you're doing a great job. And well, I appreciate that. There are actually eight presidents from Ohio. Oh, my gosh, eight. Yeah, oh and, and um, again, depends on how you count, right? Because, you know, do you count where they live at the time that they were elected? Do you count where they were born? Do you count where they uh, were where they were raised? Like, for instance, do you count Joe Biden as being from Pennsylvania? I really don't. I count yeah. him as being from Delaware. Yeah. But if you're going by where a president was born, you would count him as being from Pennsylvania. Do you count Richard Nixon as being from um, New York? No, I, I wouldn't. I'd count him as being from California. But he lived in New York at the time he was elected. Same thing with, uh, with Dwight Eisenhower. But, yeah, and the interesting thing about Ohio is that two of our four assassinated presidents were from Ohio. You have Garfield and McKinley. Oh, my. And, of course, uh, Mr. Cleveland, he's uh, named uh, and uh, has his home, I believe it's West Caldwell, New Jersey. Well, so that's that's another another interesting one. You consider (laughs) Cleveland to be from New York or New Jersey? Born in New Jersey, I would say he's uh, should have his library here in New Jersey. Right. Yeah. Well, so a lot of people claim him, and he's in the New Jersey Hall of Fame. But oh. he he was the mayor of Buffalo, right? And so he was a politician in New mm. York. So if mm. you're counting Grover Cleveland as being from New Jersey, it's almost oh. like you have to count uh, Barack Obama as being from Hawaii, not yeah. Illinois. You exactly. have to count Lincoln as being from Kentucky. Not Illinois, not the land of Lincoln, but uh, it is interesting. So that's why it, I, I always preface it by by saying it depends on how you count. Joe, thank you. 800-848-9222. Craig, we got you back. I'm sorry if I kind of cut you off by accident before. No, no problem. Um, anyway, Truman's thing is two stories, and you can look down at some of the gifts, like the table that he was given by another country and all the different prizes and things that he did and his lodge information. The other one... Uh, uh, Lincoln in Springfield, Illinois. And then since you mentioned him in Niles, Ohio, is McKinley. There's a memorial to McKinley, too, in the library and the high school is all named for McKinley in Niles, Ohio. Just 20 miles from downtown Youngstown. Cool. cool. That's great. I'd um, love to check him out. I've got a trivia question for you. Lay it on me. On the night that Lincoln was assassinated, April 14th, um, Two other future presidents were invited to go with him, and they didn't go. And I can give you the background on who and why. Okay, well, let me guess. Let let me guess, and then you can give us the background. I'm going to guess that the two future presidents were Ulysses S. Grant and Andrew Johnson. Correct. Absolutely. So tell me why they didn't end up going. Well, Eliza Johnson's wife was ill, and quite often his daughter and daughter-in-law served as a White House first lady, and they just didn't feel like going, just didn't want to. And then Grant's wife was kind of superstitious, and she had a bad omen about it and said, I don't want to go. And they went to their children, either in New Jersey or Maryland. I can't remember huh. which it was. Interesting. She, she said, absolutely not. I don't want to go. So the guy they took ended up going with his stepsister, and a few years later, he married his stepsister. It didn't, it, 
No, and it didn't end well. You can read the details of it. I'm not even going to give him credit, but then he later on ended up killing his wife. Oh, jeez, Craig. I'm going to look into that. Craig, thank you. He was the aide-de-camp for Lincoln because none of the other politicians wanted to go. And ironically, do you know that about a year before, he did watch a play with John Wilkes Booth starring in it, and he talked about a tyrant and kept looking up at the presidential box, and some people then thought that wasn't a good sign. So that that was the second time he was in a theater, at least with Booth. That's wild, Craig. Thank you. Thank you for that. Let me try and get to some other folks. My place, and we like to hear you from here than from stations in Pittsburgh. I appreciate that, Craig. Uh, spread the word for us out there. You know, they got a great radio station in Pittsburgh, KDKA. Uh, you know, they well, we'd love it's for... Questionable. I know it's part of your network, No, it's Well, well no, they, they don't carry us, so they're not part of our network. They should be carrying us, so you give them a call over there. Tell them they should be carrying our show. They have too many sycophants. They don't want good people. Ah, well, I like your attitude, Craig. Wish you were in charge. Thank you. 800-848-9222. What was I going to say? You know, a a lot of people, you know, I realize sometimes I'll look dumb when I don't know a question that everybody knows the answer to. And, uh, you know, and I I don't look these up. I could easily look them up. I'm a very quick Googler. But I... um, I actually really enjoy getting the questions wrong because even though it may make me look dumb, I really enjoy learning about all these interesting tidbits of information that I had no idea about. It's the only thing I enjoy more than getting a question right. Lucy is in the Boogie Down Bronx. What's your question, Lucy? Who was the first president to ride to his inauguration in a car? In a car, I believe... That it was Herbert Hoover. No, it was Warren Harding. Ah. And it was a a Packard V6, and he was the first president who was a qualified driver. Is that true? Wow. See, and and another Ohio guy. I didn't know that. Thank you, Lucy. See, that's one of those ones that I feel like I did know at some point. But the memory slipping a little bit, you know, my, my Denny Crane style med cow. It's uh, I should have known that. Kathy in New York. What do you have for us, Kathy? Hi, I have uh, two things from the same president. I'll say the first one and then the second one. You'll definitely get it. Okay. He said um, a bad day fishing is better than a good day working. It sounds and like say- it sounds like Truman. Okay, his second thing he ever said was, you know, I'll, I'll get everybody a chicken in every pot. Uh, well, so that was, a chicken in every pot was FDR. Hoover. Oh, it was Hoover. So wait, Hoover was both of those quit, co- Hoover, Hoover was both of those. I know, he guaranteed a chicken in every pot. Yeah, yeah that, I, see, I know that was from the election of nineteen uh, nineteen twenty eight or nineteen thirty two. I had thought that uh, I thought that it was FDR that said it. See, I'm I'm slipping, well, Kathy. Thank you. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Frank in New Jersey. What do you have for us? Hi, Frank. Okay, you said you visited Garfield's birthplace. Did you ever visit Garfield's where Garfield died? No. Did you know where it was? Well, he. He um, was shot in Union Station, but I believe he died in New Jersey. Yeah, uh, the Jersey Shore. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I, I've never visited it, but no, I know both he and uh, Lucretia were quite fond of uh, the Jersey Shore. No, I've never visited it. Have you? Yeah, yeah. And well, I live at the Jersey Shore. I live in Belmar, but yeah, 
there's a, the spot where he, where he died, there's a little plaque on the sidewalk, on the side of the sidewalk that says John Garfield's birthplace. That always yeah. struck me as odd. And <laughs> You mean so death? When, uh, you said you had visited his birthplace. Right, but so the the place where he died, it should say it's his death place, right? Yeah, it, said, yeah, it does. That's what the Right, okay, because you said birthplace. Okay, you thank know, in you. this spot, John Garfield died. James Garfield, James Garfield. Date. Yeah, thanks, Frank. 800-848-9222. Michael in New Jersey, what do you have for us, Michael? Hi. Two presidents that fought two unpopular wars that came from the state of Texas. Well, I mean, I would say... Um, Lyndon Johnson and the Vietnam War and George H. Uh, George W. Bush and the Iraq War. There you go. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Thank you, Michael. I never thought of it that way, but it makes sense. 800-848-9222. Uh, David is in San Francisco. Hello, David. Hello, Frank. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, Lincoln was born February 12, 1809. Another very famous person was born on the very same day. Can you name him? February 12th, 1809. I am going to say, let's see, you sure it was February 12th, 1809? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I am going to, it's going to be a guess on my part, because I, I don't know the answer. I'm going to guess, ooh, was it Frederick Douglass? No. Uh, well, give me another guess. Give me you another guess. Hint? What? You yeah, a give hint? me a hint. Give me a hint. Evolution. Oh, Darwin. Exactly. Ah, I did not know that. Thank you, David. That's a great question. 800-848-9222. Harvey is in the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Harvey. How you doing? Okay, what future president signed a peace treaty ending the Civil War, and where was it signed? Um, Well, that would be Grant at Appomattox Courthouse. That's correct. Thank you, yeah, Harvey. No. Oh, sorry. I didn't know you had something else to say there. 800-848-9222. Jay is in Ohio. Hello, Jay. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Frank. Where were those gas-guzzling limousines that the presidents drove around and made? Well, I would hope. I, uh, are, are they made in Detroit? Uh, no, they're made in Cincinnati, Ohio. you kidding. Essen Eisenhardt. Huh. Yeah, still, they still make the big Suburbans there. They make one Suburban. It would be great for road rage. You can roll the back window down, and there's a fifty caliber pointing at you. That is very, that is very funny. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that, Jay. I had no idea. Uh, Steve emails me. He's a little phone shy. He asks, who was the first president born in the hospital? And I believe, and I'm, I'm relatively certain about this, that it was Jimmy Carter, first president born in the hospital. All right. Um, if uh, Seeing no other questions, we will end this edition of Stump Frank. So uh, we'll focus on other items in just a moment. 800-848-9222 if you care to comment on uh, anything else we've covered on this President's Day. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
Eight minutes until the top of the hour. So I have been uh, criticized by some quarters, and uh, Dominic Carter has poked some fun at me for this, as has um, as has uh, Noam Layden, who's off today. But uh, a number of people have, certainly in our Facebook group. By the way, if you want to join the Facebook group, it's a great place to comment about any of the things that we're talking about on this show. Just go on Facebook and search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O Radio Fans and Haters. And it's a great place to offer constructive criticism, not uh, such constructive criticism and anything related to the show at all. If you want to issue an opinion about uh, something I've said, disagree with it, whatever the case may be, just join that Facebook group. But anyway, um, a lot of people have made some sport of me because I have admitted to eating unlabeled food from the station's refrigerator. Now, As I've explained time and again, and I won't belabor the point, I only will – there's a sign on the refrigerator that clearly says all food must be labeled and will be thrown away on Fridays if it's not labeled with a name and the date. So the way I figure it, if it's not labeled in there, it's fair game. It's fair game. Absolutely. Other people have disagreed with this. So, okay. So, yesterday, when my wife is trying to make... We have no room in our house. Uh, There's... there's, uh, My wife is the anti-clutterer, and I am the king clutterer. She lives to throw stuff away. I bought a mug the other day, one of the new Frank Morano mugs from the other side of Midnight Online store. Actually, somebody gave it to me. And I had to hide it, and she found it. She said, you thought you were going to hide this from me, huh? I said, well, well you, yeah, I did. She said, well, you might see another mug get broken now because we have a very finite amount of cup space. But anyway, she's going through these things, and she said, I am going to throw away this blueberry, I believe it was blueberry honey coffee, or it might just be blueberry coffee. My my might be blueberry pecan coffee and it's in a bunch of k cups there's about a dozen k cups i said no 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 no. don't throw it away i will bring it to the radio station and i'll put it out there for the people in the break room to enjoy if they want to try some and she goes well i tried this blueberry coffee and it wasn't good that's why i want to throw it away I thought it was going to be good. It wasn't. I bought it, and it's now it's just taking up space. I said, trust me. Let me bring it to work. The people at the radio station, they will eat and drink anything. So she said, well, it might be expired. I said, it's coffee. I mean, coffee just stays. It's not going to expire. It's going to be fine. She says, all right, all right. Well, let me look at the expiration date. And I've told you what these expiration dates mean. These expiration dates are bupkis. They mean nothing. So she says, let me look at the expiration date. And apparently it did expire in January of 2022. I still think it's fine to drink. It's in K-cup. It's in dried form. But if you try the blueberry coffee in our kitchenette area, everybody should be aware of technically, technically, It expired two years ago, technically. But 
What do those expiration dates mean? Bupkis. Did hey, you drink it? Uh, <laughs> no, I no, I didn't. I would drink it, but um, I really am down to only one cup of coffee a week, and I had my cup of coffee on on Saturday. If I was still doing my daily drinking of coffee, I would have some. Mm. I'll have a sip of it. I mean, if you want to. Um, if you want to, uh, if you want to pour yourself a cup and then have me drink it as a test dummy, I'll have a sip, but I'm not going to have a, no, a whole cup because I, then I just won't be able to fall asleep later. I, I trust that you would drink it, but I have uh, something else. Now I know where you get this ridiculous idea that because it's not labeled, that's fair game for everyone. So when I came in today, Kevin Droge tells me that he had a sandwich in the refrigerator that he put there yesterday, mm. that he was looking forward to eating this sandwich. He comes in today, and the sandwich is gone, and who do you think ate the sandwich? Who? Curtis. Curtis. Oh, well. So now I see was where it, you get it from. Quite, no, no. First of all, first of all, question was, it was the sandwich unlabeled. It was unlabeled. Oh, well, first of all, so th- that's it. it there's no, there's no, not even a discussion at that point. It's not yours. It's if done. it's not yours, do not it's touch done. it. Yeah, you know, if you by, didn't put it there. Why are you touching by the food? it not being labeled? It's everybody's. No, all it's it says everybody's. Is label it or it gets thrown out at the end of the week. It doesn't say if it's not labeled, it's fair game. Yeah, That's yeah, not what it says. But it it's the same as throwing it out. But you're throwing it out into someone's stomach. What kind of sandwich was it, by the way? I forget what he told me, but he said it was really he was really looking forward to oh, it. Oh, see, but that's why I don't understand. Why not throw uh, throw a label on there? By the way, you missed pizza on Friday. I, I and again on Conven- the conveniently. on the days when I'm not treating everybody to expired coffee, I'm buying pizza. How did your uh, colonoscopy go? Very good. The Hershey Highway is now open. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, so no um, no uh, polyps or anything. I had a polyp removed, a medium one. Which is not bad. All right. Well, so was it painful? No. You go to sleep and you you wake up and you really feel like nothing even happened. You don't even know what's going on. All right. Well, good. I'm glad that worked out. Let that be a reminder. We got to get you guys to the dentist now. I'm so surprised. You would go for a colonoscopy but not a dental cleaning? What are you doing? I'm working on it. Okay. All right. Um, Meantime, 800-848-9222. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all-natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.